Hello, I'm M3, and this is my opinion. For Wednesday, August 29th, 2018, here today to recap and react to SmackDown Live from last night, where we were going to be seeing a rematch between Charlotte Flair and Carmella for the SmackDown Women's Championship, as well as the beginning of, I guess you want to call it another tournament for number one contendership to see who would face the New Day for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship next. New Day coming off of defeating the Bludgeon Brothers last week in the no disqualification matchup. And it, it began last night with a very festive mood as they were celebrating their fifth reign as WWE Tag Team Champions. No, the the surprise here in this celebration was when uh, Big E started talking about the runs as champions and not one, not two, not three, not four. Before he could get to the number five, we got surprised by an appearance from WWE Hall of Famer Booker T, but he was in the role of his old character from about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more, uh, during his uh, original, the end of his original run in WWE before leaving for TNA when he was known as King Booker. Uh, caught me by a little bit of surprise there, kind of a weird thing because we have not seen him play that character in so long. And we see Booker T each month on uh, the kickoff panels for these pay per views, but it's been a while since he's been part of something on the TV side, um, part of one of the storylines, and he uh, came out uh, and praised the team and uh, welcomed uh, them to the five-time champions club. They even uh, each got down on one knee, and he almost—it was almost like a knighting ceremony with. Uh, you think of uh, old times uh, when a king would knight someone, a uh, cer- ceremony like that, and he was uh, heaping a bunch of praise on the three of them prior to uh, the first match of the night in which the New Day uh, stuck around uh, ringside to watch because it was going to be a very much of importance for them. It was the first of two triple threat tag team matches that will occur in the next two weeks to determine their next challengers for the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championship. This first one featured uh, the bar up against the Good Brothers, Gallows and Anderson, going against the Cologne Brothers, who I can't remember the last time we saw these guys on TV. It's been a while. I think Back in June, Primo might have been uh, part of an episode of SmackDown, but Epico's been gone for a while due to an injury. So other than Primo wrestling on house shows, uh, we haven't heard anything from the Cologne brothers in a while. I think if memory serves me correct, they moved over to SmackDown in this year's uh, Superstar Shake-Up. And after that, uh, having played much, if any, a, a major factor in the tag team scene. And 
for their first night back, actually looked pretty good in this matchup. They had uh, their moments of uh, glory, their time to shine. Really, for the first time in years, they've been part of anything relevant, as well as did Gallows and Anderson look pretty good in this match. You know, it's interesting, last week, Gallows and Anderson got in a confrontation with the bar backstage, and it was originally thought that they were these two teams were going to face in a, a straight-up tag match last night before Paige made the announcement over the weekend for the two triple threat matches. But let's face it, the bar was really the only team you could have win this matchup because since coming to SmackDown Live, they have not gotten the shot at the tag team championship. They didn't get to face the Bludgeon Brothers during their run. They had that rivalry with uh, the New Day back in May and early June, but after that disappeared for a couple of months, now that they're back and um, seem to have a little renewed vigor to them, it's probably their time to uh, get a shot at the Tag Team Championships. And we'll find out if they're going to get that opportunity because next week will be the second triple threat match. It will be uh, the Usos versus Sanity versus the team of Rusev and Aiden English, uh, as announced by Paige uh, backstage. And I'm not quite sure which one of those teams will win it, but I have a good feeling that the Bar are going to be the team that wins this and faces the New Day, most likely at the upcoming Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. After finally exacting some revenge on Randy Orton last week, we were all waiting to see Jeff Hardy's next move because you have to figure after the weeks of physical and mental attacks by Orton that Jeff Hardy wasn't just going to settle for delivering one swanton bomb through a table in the crowd. He was going to want um, more uh, than that, more payback on Orton than that. Especially for, as he, he said, he brought, Orton brought out a new side of him um, that um, in his mind kind of warped his reality and it changed uh, him a bit. And he wanted to get back to some semblance of the Jeff Hardy he's always known to be. So Hardy called out Orton, and it was kind of a weird segment at first because it was one of the few times that we've seen them both in the same place where it didn't break down into a physical altercation. Randy preferred to just stay on the rampway. And although Jeff had called him out to the ring, challenged him to a fight to settle this uh, once for all. Orton uh, refused to uh, give to Hardy's demands because, as Orton said, remember, he didn't attack him uh, at SummerSlam he, the, for reasons that um, he uh, wanted to do it on his time, not when people were expecting it. But Orton realized now that he's got a whole new side of Jeff Hardy to face and wants a little more time, I guess, to prepare for it. So Jeff Hardy made a challenge to Randy Orton, a challenge that that Paige announced later on will happen and that I'm very excited to see 
that on September 16th, these two will battle inside hell in a cell. And on paper, you would think Jeff Hardy has an advantage in this kind of match because there are no rules. It's kind of a crazy environment. Um, I mean, hell, if they were ever to get outside of Hell in a Cell, Jeff Hardy could jump off it for um, all uh, intents and matters. But Jeff Hardy's been part of WWE at various points over the last 23 years. Hell in a Cell's been around for 21 Jeff Hardy's never been a part of a Hell in a Cell match. Uh, I'm surprised to think about it. You figure that he would have snuck into at least one at this point in his career, but he's never been part of Hell in a Cell. Meanwhile, Randy Orton, this will be his fourth time in Hell in a Cell. He had two previous matches against John Cena and one for the World Heavyweight title way back when against Sheamus. Now he's um, got to face Hardy in an environment that we've seen some of the sick things he's done to Hardy in the last um, couple of weeks and months. Just imagine what he's going to be able to do inside Hell in a Cell when that door is locked. There are no rules and the match only ends by pinfall or submission. You thought Orton was sick and twisted um, before. Just wait until September 16th. For the second week in a row, Naomi was going up against a member of the Iconics in a singles match. Last week, she uh, fell victim to the numbers game, losing to Peyton Royce. This week, it was uh, more of the same going up against Billy Kay. Now, eventually, the distractions by Royce on the outside uh, led to uh, uh, Billy Kay being able to... Uh, pick up the victory with a surprising roll-up and once again showing the advantage that the Iconics have in these matchups, even with as limited as they both are in the ring. And listen, they're both very beautiful women. They, they uh, have a lot of charisma jumping off the screen. They play their characters very well as this heel women's tag team that... Uh, can be very annoying and piss a lot of people off. But they're still very inexperienced as far as their in-ring work, still very green. And you know the, their characters are what leads me to believe is going to make them very successful in the future. But they, as I said, they still have a lot of work to do as far as their in-ring work is concerned. Now, Earlier this year, remember that they did not appear on NXT for a couple of months prior to their debut on the SmackDown after WrestleMania. Peyton Royce supposedly had uh, some surgery done. You can take a guess for yourself what that might have been. But even with that, I, I would have figured out a way to write Royce out of the storyline in NXT. It still had Billy Kay appear on TV, continue to get that in-ring work. Now, maybe they were still appearing at all of the NXT live events, house shows. I'm not sure. I can't go back and check those. I don't even know where you would be able to. But still, as high as I am on their future... They still need a lot of work to uh, to get there because their lack of experience in the ring is showing each and every single week.
After last week's announcement of a mixed tag team matchup coming up at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view between Daniel Bryan and his wife Brie Bella against The Miz and his wife Maurice, Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella showed up last night to talk about their excitement and the fact that they get the team together for the first time and how much they're looking forward to beating up The Miz and Maurice, saying that they're not going to be able to hide behind the other and run uh, away from Daniel and Bree uh, this time at Hell in a Cell. Before they uh, continued on, they got interrupted by uh, Andrade Cien Almas and his business advisor, Selena Vega, who they went on to kind of derail and insult uh, Daniel Bryan before Paige came out uh, to make a match between Almas and Daniel Bryan. It was kind of funny. Daniel brought up how he would love to face CN right then and there, but he's not the GM anymore. He can't make the matches. And saying how he wonders who could make that kind of match. And when he, he pointed to the stage, Paige wasn't ready to come out. Paige comes uh, running out when her music plays uh, a little bit out of breath because she claimed her office was on the side, other side of the building and she ran all the way around with heels on. I thought that spot was kind of funny uh, there play up the the change in dynamic there's been in general manager over the last five months. But um, she made the match between uh, Almas and uh, Brian, a match that turned out to be pretty good, uh, where you could see maybe down the line these two guys face off again, a preview of what could happen if you have them face in a, a bigger spot rather than just... I don't want to call it a fill-in spot because it, both of these guys are much better than that. But a match where you have the cocky heel coming out, uh, looking to dive into business that or he really shouldn't be and enrage uh, a face who has other business to attend, if that makes sense. The match was uh, very good quality between the two. Had some uh, rather fun spots throughout the match. Uh, thought, though, that there were maybe one too many dangerous bumps for both of these guys for a match that didn't have any long-term significance right now in the storyline. But the real story here is the fact that just when it looked like Daniel Bryan was going to win the match... The Miz interrupted it and came out uh, ringside and was a bit of a distraction for Daniel Bryan, even to the point where Daniel left the match and went beat up the Miz ringside, leaving him open to be attacked by Almas in, in the ring. And you no, know, Vega tried to create a distraction uh, for Daniel Bryan at one point in the match, and that's where Bree got involved only for her to be attacked from behind by uh, Maurice. And you, you, it felt very personal, i got to say. The uh, the rivalry that's building here between these uh, two couples, especially when you, you see uh, Almas helping the Miz out in beating down Daniel Bryan, hitting him with the hammerlock DDT before uh, the Miz locked Daniel into his very own yes lock. And 
Maurice uh, for forcing uh, Bree to watch this, followed by hitting her with the DDT, and uh, Daniel Bryan forced to watch his wife uh, be uh, laid out like that. And it's gotten very personal between these two sides. Uh, it's a match I'm sure we're all looking forward to coming up at Hell in the Cell. But remember, it's not going to be the last time we see these uh, people in the ring against each other. Daniel Bryan and The Miz have a match coming up at the Super uh, Showdown that hasn't been officially announced on TV yet, but if you go on their website, it has been announced, and there's going to be the stipulation of a future WWE title match on the line here, as well as there's been a lot of speculation about a possible match between uh, Brie Bella and Maurice at Evolution at the end of October, and that could be an interesting one just based off the fact that if you watch Total Divas a year and a half ago when Maurice first came back to WWE maybe a little longer probably closer to two years ago now that I'm thinking about it since Maurice came back after being away for four years they very much played up the fact that there was a personal issue between Maurice and the Bella Twins. Maurice trying to claim that when the Bella Twins first came back to WWE after taking a year off, they went out of their way to prevent her from coming back. At least that's what her claim was. And there was a, a lot of tension between her and Brie, especially when... Uh, uh, Maurice first came back and that was around the time Brie was getting ready to retire to attempt to go become a mother. So I wonder if at some point if that gets brought up in this storyline uh, leading up to Hell in a Cell or if the match does happen between these two women at Evolution in October, the personal issues, real life personal issues get brought up at some point. Mind games continued last night between Samoa Joe and WWE Champion AJ Styles. As it started to get to AJ the last several weeks, every time Joe brings up his family or the sneak attacks from behind, Styles, you could see, was clearly frustrated by this and done with the, the sneak attacks and demanded Joe come out um, and face him like a man. Only problem is uh, Joe was uh, in the parking lot with different plans, decided to uh, continue with the head games by calling uh, AJ Styles' wife, Wendy, on the phone and once again promising her that he's going to uh, send AJ home as well as saying that he was going to show up at their family's cookout next Tuesday. Really seemed to enrage AJ to the point where he left the ring and rushed backstage to find Joe, but he wasn't even uh, anywhere to be found in the parking lot. And I gotta say that while the segment served its purpose, didn't uh, drag on longer than it, it was meant to be, at the same time, it did feel kind of rushed, especially in a rivalry that contains the WWE Champion and his number one contender. 
And this is the WWE Championship we're talking about here. And it feels like at times in the last several months of AJ's run here that it's been just pushed aside and treated like a secondary storyline, whether it be the end of his rivalry with Nakamura or his rivalry with Rusev or now with Samoa Joe. It's not getting the main event spotlight that it should be getting. And I understand you've got a very personal rivalry going on with uh, The Miz and Daniel Bryan. But here we got a rivalry over the WWE Championship that is taking a bitter personal mind games like route in in its own respect. And it's just being given what, four or five minutes of attention each week. It, it's really not right. I mean, hell, as big a problem as I've got with uh, the way they're handling things over on Raw with the Universal Championship storyline and the fact that they've seemingly turned Braun Strowman into a heel, at least that is in the spotlight. At least that's the, the major storyline amongst many things going on. While the WWE title, it's just being cast aside as like a secondary issue and that's not the way it should be, especially when we're talking about the most important championship in professional wrestling. I'll finish up today with talking about last night's main event where for the second time in the last month, Carmella and Charlotte Flair got to main event SmackDown, this time with being the women's championship on the line for Carmella's contractual rematch after losing in the triple threat match at SummerSlam. And I thought we were going to see some interference from Becky Lynch during the match, but surprisingly she stayed out of this one and let these girls have uh, the spotlight. And once again, they uh, put on a, a very good match between uh, the two of them. I'll tell you, the, outside of you know, when Carmella cashed in the money in the bank on the SmackDown after WrestleMania, the three prominent matches that they've had, Backlash, uh, last month on SmackDown, or now this week, the one-on-one matches. And you want to throw the triple threat match they had at SummerSlam and as well, fine. Have all been better than the previous match. And give a lot of credit to Carmella. You know, I brought up earlier the fact that the Iconics are still very raw in their wrestling ability. Well, that's the way Carmella was somewhat when we first saw her on the main roster. That's why when Enzo and Cass were originally brought onto the main roster, Carmella didn't come with them because Triple H wanted her to spend more time down in development because he knew he had a major women's wrestling star on his hands in the future. And he's turned out to be right because she continues to look better and better as we go along with these major matches, whether it be against Charlotte or her pay-per-view matches against Asuka, the triple threat match at SummerSlam. She's uh, taking this run that she's had since winning the Money in the Bank last year and run with it very well, whether it be when she had James Ellsworth by her side or now flying solo. Each one of these... um, 
matches has been better for her and she's shown that she can wrestle almost any style whether it be a slow paced uh, match or a fast uh, paced action able to uh, slow Charlotte down early on block some of her uh, major uh, offense um, and uh, even uh, delivered some uh, some high active exciting uh, maneuvers of herself including the suicide dive through the uh, um, middle and bottom uh, ropes to take out Charlotte and at, at times was able to block out the figure eight and hit uh, Charlotte with a couple of super kicks to the point where you thought oh maybe she's going to be able to win the Smackdown Women's Championship but eventually Charlotte got her wits about her uh, got in every one of her signature moves, the spear, the natural selection, the figure eight. Even at one point, it looked like she was going to try and powerbomb Carmella off uh, the top rope, but Carmella was able to avoid that, but in the end was not able to ultimately avoid the figure eight and was forced to tap out, allowing Charlotte to retain the women's title and now focus on uh, Becky Lynch and that, that rivalry that has uh, begun since uh, SummerSlam. Now, last week they took an interesting route with the, the Becky Lynch-Charlotte rivalry. After Becky turns on Charlotte at SummerSlam and the crowd was so much behind that, chanting, you deserved it at Charlotte. You've seen the somewhat negative reaction Charlotte has gotten, whether it be in Brooklyn last week on SmackDown or last night in Toronto, how the crowd wasn't fully behind her. After she wins the women's title, she's celebrating, and Becky comes in from behind to attack her and leave the champion laying to end uh, SmackDown. And before she left, uh, Becky uh, made the promise that she's going to take her title back at Hell in the Cell. Now, I'm not sure if they're going to put this match inside Hell in the Cell um, or just have them in a regular singles match, but I'll tell you, I do like the fact that they backed off a little bit last night, this whole idea that um, Becky has turned on the crowd because the fans are on her side with this. I'm on her side with this. I wanted her to get the one-on-one women's title match at SummerSlam. I wanted her to win the women's championship, and when Charlotte won, I I felt it, it was the right move to do by having her turn on Charlotte, have her attack Charlotte, and it was the wrong move by them having her come out on SmackDown the uh, following week and uh, um, blame the fans and somewhat turn on all of us when the fans have always been nothing but supportive toward Becky Lynch, but hey, at least that's one thing that Vince McMahon and creative decide to listen to the fan base on. Maybe he'll uh, get whatever blocking his hearing out and start listening to us on Mondays when it comes to Braun Strowman. For this Wednesday, August 29th, 2018, I'm M3, and that was my opinion. Remember, follow me on Twitter at m 3 Rosansky as well as check out my other podcast, Keeping It Sports with M3. You can find that on Facebook.com slash Keeping It Sports with M3. 
Hope you all have a great night. Enjoy the rest of your week, and I'll talk to you again very soon. Peace.